0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: Is technology making us less resilient to outages? Many government experts including CSIRO and most recently the New South Wales Environmental Protection Agency are predicting an increasing frequency and intensity of extreme weather events. Now extreme weather events have already led to record power interruptions and As a society these days, we're less able to cope with these type of disruptions than in the past, largely due to continuing and increasing reliance on modern technology. In other words, we need electricity and we need it on all the time. How do we get to this point and what's to be done? Peter Marks is a software developer, technology commentator from Access Informatics, and he spent years, decades, in fact, observing technology and its impact on people. And he depends on electricity... As well, he's got some reflections on just how resilient we are or are not. Peter, good evening. Welcome back to Nightlife.
0: Thanks, Philip. Good evening.
1: It's true, isn't it? We, we, we have to have the juice. Once upon a time, the power going out meant your fridge didn't work and maybe yeah. a telly, but, you know, that was about it because you could use candles and so on until it came back on. It, but, um, gee, it's serious these days. And recent outages that have affected Australians will run through oh. some of them for me.
0: Yeah, look, uh, January 27 this year, there was a cyclone in Queensland that affected phone networks, water supply and power for some 10,000 households. On Tuesday, the 13th of February, about 620,000 Victorian homes and businesses lost power. And last week, we had another storm in Victoria that took out power, and some homes are still doing without. So, yeah, Philip, as you say, Philip, is power is vital for a whole lot of things that we rely on. Mm. Mobile towers, for example, they, they work for a while if their power is off, but not long. So there's a lot of things that get impacted. And as you say... I think because we're relying more on modern technology that we're actually worse off than we used to be. In the past, we used to use portable radios for news, you know, which could run on batteries. Mm. We had landline phones, which were actually powered by a voltage on the phone line. So they'd keep working even if the home power went off. And, of course, we carried cash, and that could be used to buy food and fuel even if ATMs were down. So today, AM radios are starting to disappear, even from cars. Many uh, homes don't even, uh, don't even have a phone. They, if they do, it runs over the NBN. Yeah. More commonly, people just rely on their mobiles. We get our news, of course, from phone apps, and our emergency alerts arrive via mobile data. So we're relatively okay if a power outage is short, perhaps a few hours, but longer outages cause things to start to break down. The SES, publicly says that the cell phone network has a high order of reliability and availability Mm. but i'm told that the average base station has a battery backup for only about four to six hours and in the absence of mains they start to run down of course other cells can suffer from congestion i recently read a book by us tv journalist ted Koppel. Uh, he's got a book called lights out a cyber attack now He's walking through the impact of a long electricity outage in the U.S. And his scenario is a cyber attack, but it could just as well be a large weather event that knocks down towers, as we recently saw in Victoria. And, of course, before that in South Australia, Copple talks about how quickly things go south if there's no power. Water will stop in high-rise housing. Sewerage pumping will stop. Mobile phones and the Internet will stop in a day or two. And the lack of payment options mean that you might start to see looting as people get thirsty or hungry. But perhaps worst of all is the lack of information. We're used to getting it on our phones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think people don't even think
1: about phones and electricity. They think, oh, well, obviously I need to charge the phone at home. But you're right. If there's a statewide power or even region-wide power outage, uh, you're dependent on those mobile phone towers. Tell me, just explain to people how those, how they, they work. They're, they're obviously connected to power, otherwise they don't work,
0: do they? They are, and they do have a backup, but I, I've been told by people in hmm. SES that... Uh, a lot of them only will run for four to six hours. And of course, if it's been a, yeah. a large weather event like we had in Victoria, some of the towers themselves get damaged so they can go down. So these are things that you think are very reliable and they certainly are reliable in the normal sense. But it doesn't take much to tip the whole system over. The electricity network we find to be fairly fragile in some ways. It's sort of balanced. And if parts of it go down, then, you know, it, it can, you can, a whole area can go out. Um, but I think some of the, there are some things we can do to prepare. It's worth thinking about this. There are moves afoot, as I said, to get away from AM radio, and that's partially because some electric cars produce interference. But those big AM transmitters, like the ones we're on now, that the exactly, ABC like has the one in we have, each state, we are
1: broadcasting on right now in every state in uh, territory of well, Australia. They are, they... they are
0: an important resource, and because hmm. they, they cover. Much of each state, so even if there's vast power outages, the big AM stations, just a single one, can cover much of the state. These should be retained. I think it's unfortunate that we lost Radio Australia's short wave transmitters a few years ago, because they used to cover the inland very well. So that mm. would even cover a huge amount of the landmass. I'd love to see them come back. There, one day.
1: There's a very worrying thing that a lot of the new cars don't have AM, don't have AM radio.
0: Yeah, and it's because of interference. Uh, apparently, I mean, I've got an electric. Should they car be required it, to have AM radio in them? Well, they could be, I guess. I mean, everyone is sort of pushing. I think the car makers prefer DAB because it has more metadata, so there's something to show on the display. One of the drawbacks of old-fashioned AM radio is you've you've got to remember the frequencies, and uh, that's that's uh, quite a marketing job for stations. But you know, I think. We can still have an AM radio. I have AM radios in my house. They can run on batteries and they'll last for a long time. You can get some other things that can help in the home. Uh, There are, I don't know if you've seen these little rechargeable battery boxes. They're sometimes called Mm. power stations. And they can be used to charge mobiles and laptops. I have one that will run, I've got a little car fridge, and it will run that all day if required. I should say I live in rural Victoria, and so I'm in a place where the power does tend to go off. So I'm probably more prepared than most people. I personally have a generator but they do require maintenance. If I don't run it every fortnight, it won't start. Mm. And of course they need fuel, and I'm not crazy about. It. I've got a little bit of fuel, but it goes off and it's also a fire hazard. The other things that I think are worth having are LED torches. They're really good these days. You can get LED torches that charge from USB. It's worth having a few of those around the house. We do have other options now for satellites, um, satellite internet. So we have Starlink now, some people have that. And soon we're going to have Amazon. It is more expensive than the NBN at the moment, but happily we're starting to have people that have this sort of backup. Some modern high end phones actually have the ability to call for help using low Earth orbit satellites. I don't know if that's going to spread around the range of them, but that will happen. And Optus has announced that. Uh, from next year, I think it is, they will have the ability to send messages via satellite if you're outside coverage. So that's, that's going to improve things. Hmm. There are some things that government is doing and, and could do. Um, the first one is there's long been a proposal, you know, when you're overseas hmm. and, of course, you're outside your normal coverage of your carrier – you can make phone calls by roaming to another carrier. Now, there's no technical reason why we couldn't have roaming within Australia. And that's sort of how the, you remember when the Optus outage happened not so long ago, uh, people were still able to call Triple O by if they were in coverage of another carrier. So the idea is that we could have roaming, inter-carrier roaming within Australia, much like when you travel. And so even if you were out of your carrier's coverage, you'd be able to make a call. Now, of course, you'd still be billed and that would be a safety factor. I I guess the carriers don't want to do it because part of their marketing is about how good their coverage is. That's right. Uh, There's other things that could be done Um, on the reliability of the electric supply. There's two approaches on the table. One is to distribute power underground, which is very expensive, but has also been flagged as something that would help reduce starting fires. The other thing is decentralizing the grid and that's starting to happen to some extent, with batteries spread around either at homes or sometimes shared by communities. But, of course, they have to be able Mm. to work without mains power. But, look, after power, the most important service for us today is internet access, and that includes emergency service staff. There is actually a project, a federally funded project underway called the Public Safety Mobile Broadband, PSMB, project, which aims to supply uh, high-speed emergency internet for emergency service personnel. The government has invested $10 million to fund a task force to look into that over the next few years. I don't know how they'll actually implement it, but it'd be fascinating to watch. So look in conclusion, I think there's some great information on the ABC emergency site abc.net.au/emergency, but in some ways I would argue our reliance on technology such as mobile phones and the use of internet to get all of our information makes us more vulnerable than we ever have been to I disruptions.
1: I agree with that. Peter Marks is with us. Uh, we're talking tech. Uh, Australian broadcasters um, are fighting to get, to get prominence on smart TVs. Now, you, you, I mean, there is some suggestion that international TV manufacturers uh, are holding them, the locals to ransom by saying, we, we won't feature your on-demand app unless yeah. you cough up the cash.
0: Yes, um, uh, there's a Senate inquiry on at the moment. That's And uh, departing Chief Executive, uh, seven Chief Executive James Warburton says that 50% of TV viewing will be online by 2027. I think it's much higher amongst younger viewers now. I've got two children, uh, they're adults, And they have televisions, but they don't have antennas, so it just doesn't interest them. Uh, A major challenge if you look around smart TV menus is that the first apps, the ones that are most prominent, they look like channels on the TV, but of course they're actually apps. They're not Australian. Beverly McGarvey, who's the local Paramount head, which owns Network 10, said it took her, quote, 45 minutes to find the 10 Play app Mm. on a new LG television. I won't make any comment about that. Mm-hmm. Local broadcasters <laughs> must compete with the big streamers now now, now, now. <laughs> for prominent positions. So they're up against Netflix, Disney, Apple, Prime, and YouTube. Subscription services, such as Foxtel CEO Patrick Delaney, argues that consumers, he's arguing against making them prominent. He he wants he says consumers should be in control and has warned against legislating in favor in favor of free to air services. But look there is hope a new aggregator platform called hubble launched last week and we will soon see these new boxes in our stores
1: what what does it do
0: well the hardware comes in two forms one is built into a couple of models of rather unremarkable 4k tvs the other is a small set-top box with a remote they hope it will become the one place that you'll go to access all of your viewing needs Hubble will include Netflix, Disney, Prime, YouTube, Apple and Paramount. On the local front, it will have Binge, Stan, KO, Flash, ABC iView, SBS, 7 Plus, 9 Now and 10 Play. So she'll be able to find it there. They claim that it unifies all of the apps. So what they're saying is that... One of the challenges is at the moment, you have to go into each app to see what's on that app and then get back out again and go into the next one. So in Hubble, you'll be able to search across all of them without entering each one. Now, I haven't tested this, I haven't got a box yet, but it's something that Apple TV does now, except that Netflix won't come to the party. So you can't search on Apple TV for content inside Netflix, you won't find it. So I'll be interested to hear if Hubble has Netflix in there as well. Uh, Okay. Is this available now? Uh, they've launched it. I think it's within weeks. They've just, just launched it. It's going to be in the major electrical stores. The box will retail for $99, which is pretty, pretty good. Hmm. The TVs start at 1600 They do sweeten the deal by saying if you've got a Hubble box, you'll get a discount. I think it's about $5 per subscription through the device. But skeptics really wonder if we'll want to pay for something that's already pretty much built into the TV. But yeah, look, early I'm, thinking, reviews... I'm
1: thinking on my TV across the bottom, I think they're all
0: there. Well, that's right. I mean, the criticism by the local broadcasters is that this—the built-in apps favor international rather than local stations. So this is a way of taking control. And you know, who knows if it will succeed? The price point is pretty good, though. Mm. But look, it's another remote control. I don't want another remote control. I know. <laughs> All right, Hubble. It's called. it might
1: be worth experimenting with um, AI news. Now, it's a big. Uh, tech theme this year of course uh, mm. google's just launched their competitor to chat gpt if you haven't tried chat ttp you probably should have an experiment with it it's free at the moment but google's launched its own generative ai it's, it's a large language model as well I, th- I, I, I i think isn't it what's it called yep. it's called gemini that's right have you, have, have you had
0: a play with it I have. I'm using it, yes. I heard your discussion uh, on Monday with Dr. Will Grant. You were talking about yeah. ChatGPT GPT mm. and mm. how it looks like it's passed the Turing test, which means that by definition it's intelligent. Um, but these, yeah, all of these chat engines, and there's a whole bunch of them coming out at the moment. They're they're based on large language models. They've been trained on text scraped from the internet and books and Wikipedia and everything. Um, we like to joke that the I in LLM stands for intelligence. But look, hmm. um, Google has renamed their large language model chat interface from Bard to Gemini. There's several levels: the standard, Pro, and Ultra. And I think the standard will be the free one. Ultra is going to cost $36 a month. They're offering a free two-month trial, which I am using at the moment. Like ChatGPT, look, it's remarkable at giving answers to a question. And in my mind, it's far superior to the current way we find things out by searching for a bunch of web pages that might have bits of the answers. And I know. Do you think it's uh, better just... than ChatGPT? Uh, I think it's close. Uh, And I think they're all kind of jostling for position. Uh, They've got some, you know, it depends on the test and like the Turing test and answering certain questions. Um, It's early days. And of course, the the big thing is guardrails that these things can produce incorrect information and they all speak very confidently. Uh, Gemini is also going to be added to mail already I've got it in my Gmail so if I start writing it it's like Clippy it says you know do you want a hand writing this and you say what you want to write and it drafts a a document for an email for you so it'll give you help with writing it can summarize text now actually this week uh, in Barcelona is Mobile World Congress and Google has just announced that there's going to be Gemini-based features coming to Android, uh, including integration with messages, reading summaries, helping to draft messages, and will be a, it will be used to reduce distraction while you're driving. So if you get a long email, it'll be able to summarize it rather than having you try to. How read do you put it, it, how it how into
1: you, your mail? Uh, you... How do you put it into your mail to help you? With your well, reading? it
0: will be built in, so it's just oh. built into the Google services. Okay. And as I said, when like now, if I go because I'm in the trial, if I go to Gmail and start writing, it's a button there that says. Gemini, do you want a hand writing that sort of thing? But the Google are terrified of allegations that their large language model might be, quote, woke (laughs) and uh, (laughs) they're under fire uh, for making Gemini almost too averse to expressing a political opinion. And users have found some really absurd statements coming from it Uh, in its answer to a question about who had a more negative impact on the world, Elon Musk or Adolf Hitler, Gemini said, It is not possible to say definitively who negatively impacted society more. Elon (laughs) tweeting memes or Hitler both have had, I'm quoting this, a significant impact on society, but in different ways. Elon's tweets have been criticised for being insensitive and harmful, where Hitler's actions led to the deaths of millions of people. Ultimately, it is up to each individual oh, to decide who sake. they believe. <laughs> like Geminis, so a moron. You can see, Gemini's a moron. <laughs> <That's right>. Well, <laughs> I think they've just gone a bit overboard with trying to not offend anyone. Mm. Look, you can try it out yourself. It's at gemini.google.com, and there's an Android app, of course. That's... So large yeah. language models are built with chips, and chips come from companies that used to be just doing graphics. You probably saw on the TV news the other night, NVIDIA is booming right now.
1: It sure is. They make the chips exactly. They, we have always talked about how some, a very few tech companies will own the world. It's now looking like Nvidia will own, will own the world oh. because they. Yeah. Well, the implications uh, of all this are are massive, aren't they? They are just massive, and I don't well, think we're really fully aware of them right now.
0: Well, probably most people aren't conscious of nvidia they were initially a company that made graphics cards gpus Mm. they called for games machines but now they've they've just hit two trillion dollars in value which is hard to believe because they're Mm. catching up with apple and microsoft who have been jostling for the position uh three microsoft is over three trillion now they've just announced record revenue for the december quarter of twenty two point one billion dollars up 265% year on year. And of course, their shares jumped on that announcement. The, the company was founded in 1993, as I said, making chips for games. But it turned out that these massively parallel chips were useful for other things, unexpected things. In 2016, it was found that they were fantastic for Bitcoin mining, cryptocurrency mining. Uh-huh. So they had a huge boost then. But of course, then there was a crash. But now they've caught up they are it turns out they are really good for training models ai models for use in generative ai and it works best on their chips now there are competitors coming google has their own tensor processes that they use apple of course is building ai capabilities into their silicon and we've heard rumors that open ai who makes chat gpt are raising they are trying to raise trillions of dollars to build their own mm. chips. It's not cheap to get into that game. It ain't.
1: It ain't. No. All in right. Meantime, look, yeah.
0: We can only marvel at their success. <laughs> we,
1: we can have a play with it though, because you you really yeah. need to be aware of what's going on. Um, Peter Marks, uh, thank you and um, appreciate all that. You know, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.
0: Cheers, for us